This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello, you are listening to the Blue Monday podcast. This is a three times weekly audio show looking into the exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club. My name is Benjamin Bloom and I'll be here each and every Friday for the Blue Monday preview show with a special guest to get their inside view on the next opponents for Ipswich Town. Ladies and gentlemen, on the other end of Skype, please welcome, he is the editor of the Tilehurst End website and podcast for Reading, Mr. Simeon Pickup. How are you doing, Simeon? I'm very well. How are you? Well, uh, there's a series of first world problems that I won't bore you with. One, I <laughs> left my equipment in my car. So the, I'm on a handheld mic. The microphone I'm holding is literally like a block of ice. And the other, I got a <laughs> can of Pepsi Max ready to drink during the podcast to keep my energy up. And I dropped it. Um, <laughs> about five minutes ago so i'm in that um i'm in that thing of do i open it or not do i and then they go a bit flat after they've been dropped as well so if you hear some kind of disaster during one of your answers that's me um and you've got a star wars related um time issue tonight you're off to you're off to the movies in about an hour yes i am indeed yeah looking forward to it, it should be good christmas tradition did you enjoy the last one uh it was quite good uh i'm not a a huge Star Wars fan. Obviously, you got to see them because they're uh, um, cultural icon. I'm more of a Trekkie, to be honest, but uh, got to see it, and I'm looking forward to this one. Yes. Um, right. Let's get into the football then. So, firstly, can you tell us your kind of vintage? How you became a Reading fan, and when, and which team you kind of first fell in love with? Um, and then, if you can just transition and give us a little plug for your website and your podcast. And I'm assuming. A Tilehurst End is something to do with Elm Park. Yeah, so the Tilehurst End was uh, one of the uh, stands at our old stadium, Elm Park, which we had until the late 90s. Um, it wasn't quite the the rowdiest stand in the stadium. That's uh, not, what it, not what it was about. It was more the kind of uh, in-the-middle stand where the uh, the passionate fans would go, but not the... Uh, quite the the really passionate, not the uh, the really raucous uh, lot. Um, personally, uh, I was actually a shamefully a United fan uh, when I was really young, until I was about six or seven. And luckily, I snapped out of that <laughs> after not, after not too long. Um, and my mum actually, uh, rather than my dad, 
uh, is the one who got me into into Reading. She took me along to a few games about 13 years ago. Um, gradually fell in love with it, although that was back before the Premier League days, so it was quite a while to properly fall in love with it. Um, and then it's gone on since then from really, from there really. Uh, yeah. And how did you get involved in the actual writing and podcasting side? Uh, it was when I was at uni actually. Um, one evening, uh, this fantastic website that I uh, follow on Twitter called The Tire West End uh, put out a message saying they were um, asking for assistant editors and people to write for the site and that kind of thing. Uh, so I put my name in the ring. Um, had a go, luckily enough, I, I got it. Um, was, assistant, was assistant editor for the site for about uh, three and a half years, and then luckily I became the editor um, back in October. Uh, so uh, uh, that's, that's how I've come through. Great stuff, great stuff. Um, what we normally do is we'll, we do a bit on last season and then we'll come to the game via that this season. So um, last season was a great season for Reading. Obviously, they ended up uh, losing in the finals of the playoffs, but um, Yapstam came in and played a very unchampionship-like kind of style of um, footy. Um, first meeting between Ipswich and Reading was really early in the season um, on Sky. We had to go back to the 9th of September 2016. Reading come out 2-1 winners. There's three penalties in the game, including one in stoppage time. Just after the, I remember, just after the holding in the the shirt-tugging directive had been given and um, one right late on for uh, the shirt-tug. Simeon, what are your memories of that game and more over... The, the start under um, Yapstam, because that would have been probably his sixth game or his seventh game, including the EFL Cup game. Yeah, I think it was. Um, funnily enough, I wrote a piece for the Tarhurst End last summer, just after we lost the playoff final, um, about some of the most important games last season. Not the most obvious ones, the really big wins, but the ones that subtly really influenced our season. And I think that Ipswich win was one of the most vital ones in our season because it wasn't about um, really good attacking play and creating a lot of chances and scoring a lot of goals and looking really good, but just being able to edge out the opposition and get a scrappy, ugly win uh, when we didn't necessarily deserve it. Um, and the performance that night was it was okay. It was hardly a great advert for the championship, to be honest. Um, could quite easily have been a nil-nil. Um but to be able to get a win in whatever fashion that early in the season was really, really important for Yapstam because we've had a few managers before Yapstam who've tried to come in and really try to revolutionise the football style, get us playing passing football. Um, and they've not got the results early on enough. Um, but the difference between, with Yapstam um, last season and over the course of the whole season um, was that he was able to get those 1-0 victories, those 2-1 victories, that under people like Brendan Rodgers that we had before, it wouldn't have happened. It's really it's really, really interesting really that... Interesting. Um, oh, sorry, I'm getting a bit of feedback, Simon. Oh, it's gone, it's gone. Uh, don't worry. It's really interesting that about the 1-0 wins and about the defensive quality, because you'd hardly say that Stam is a defensive manager, but I guess the argument being that if you if you keep the ball, that is actually a good defensive tactic because the other team can't hurt you, right? Yeah, I wouldn't call it defensive, to be honest. I call it conservative. Um, our defending was absolutely atrocious a lot of times last season, to be <laughs> honest. Uh, we conceded, let me think, four at Brentford, four at Newcastle, 
five at Fulham, seven at Norwich. I'm trying to get that out of my memory even now. <laughs> um, and some of it was absolutely dire at the back. Um, but the most interesting stat that I think that I came across that season was that when we took the lead in a game, we barely ever let any points drop, let alone losing the game. Um, and I think that's really where the passing and the possession football came into its own. It wasn't about um, passing around the opposition and just creating a lot of chances. keeping the ball, yeah. Exactly, yeah. It was just about sucking the life out of the opposition. Um, and if we had a one-goal lead, then we'd be able to keep it. We wouldn't bother going on and trying to score a few more goals. We'd just stay where we were and try and hold on to the lead. Um, and I think it's quite telling that this season we've let a few points slip uh, so far. We lost at Millwall having been in the lead. Um, got a draw on Monday night as well. Um, and the passing is more adventurous in terms of going forward and getting uh, goals and getting a, a healthier result. Um, but on the flip side, we're more liable to letting a lead turn into a draw or a loss. Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, so by the time we get to February for the second game, um, it's gone a bit crazy. You in, in the period between the two Ipswich games, I looked it up, you won 15 times in all competitions and gone up to third in the league. So from kind of an unsure start and like you said, a kind of narrow win against Ipswich, what on earth happened in those um, months? Because there was a couple of streaks as well of sort of four or five wins in a row as well. How did you get to the second game in February? Um, you know, it, it just went crazy, didn't it? Yeah, it's bizarre. We're still trying to work it out ourselves, to be honest. <laughs> um, I think there was that one, uh, as you say, one run of five wins in a row. Um, I think there was a 3-0 over Burton, 3-0 over Wigan as well. That was the only real kind of run where we were scoring a decent amount of goals and um, not conceding too many. I think the key was that even when we had a really good result, we were very good at bouncing back from it. I think the Fulham game we lost uh, 5-0, looked awful, went down to 10 men. But then the next week, uh, we have Sheffield Wednesday at home. We were, at that point, I think we are in the playoffs and we're able to come back and get a scrappy one, uh, 2-1 win over them. Um, so I think that's what our form was built on, to be honest. Um, a lot of tight wins but also having the mental strength to uh, to get points when other teams might have collapsed and uh, started going down the other end of the table yeah sure so um game number two and Ipswich uh, it was just the same thing every week at this point so Tom Lawrence scores and Ipswich draw um and this is exactly what happened this one ends 2-2 from an Ipswich point of view it was the first time I think we got to see McGoldrick excuse me and Lawrence up front. So Lawrence gives Ipswich the lead. Uh, then Graben comes in, and um, that was a good game-changing sub. He sets up much straight away. Lawrence then scores another one, and Obita smashes in a great goal, actually, sort of about 78 minutes, and both teams said, OK, that'll do. We'll have a, we'll have a draw. Um, memories of this game, Simeon? Uh, not as vivid as the other one. I uh, wasn't lucky enough to go, unfortunately, but... Um a weird game in that you have a fullback tonking one in from about 20, 30 yards, which didn't happen for us very, very often. We tended to score pretty scrappy close range goals. Um, and also Jordan much actually doing something. I think that was his only contribution 
in the entirety of that season. He took that goal um, beautifully as well. He properly yeah. relaxed and stroked in. So I was I was in the stand behind the goal, actually. Lovely goal. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for us, that was the only thing he did uh, <laughs> in his entire loan spell from Palace. He played a lot of games, and apart from... Well, there's some players that you want to say, oh, at least they run around a bit, but he didn't even do that, to be honest. Oh, literally, his entire contribution was getting that goal at Ipswich. Uh, so... Uh, from your point of view, unfortunately, um, his one contribution came uh, against you. Absolutely. Um, so, a brilliant run at the end of the season. Seven wins in the final nine. So, Reading get in the playoffs. Now, I've looked at these statistics because Ipswich fans think that they've had a tough time in the playoffs, and they have. But um, Reading have actually lost in the final four times, according to Wikipedia. 95, 2001, 2011, 2017. Um, tell me about the run up to the playoffs, that that brilliant run um, and then those two playoff semi-finals where we'd seen Fulham absolutely demolished us um, and you did a job on them and then tell me about the playoff final and is there any regrets because that was a pretty stinkingly defensive playoff final wasn't it yeah um, going back to that run of form before the playoffs um, it's hard to judge really because we had a run of about five games where we played all the best teams I think we had Brighton away, Newcastle home, uh, Wednesday, Huddersfield and Leeds. So all the other teams in the in the playoffs and the top two we had to play. Um, and we were pretty awful against most of them until we get to the end and we finally managed to beat Leeds. And that seemed to be the big confidence builder, having a, um, a big attendance at home on, on Sky, big win, um, kind of thing that really gave us confidence. And then we went into uh, some later games and to be honest, we had some what should have been quite straightforward matches against teams like Rotherham and Wigan at home that both eventually went down. And we struggled to beat either of them, to be honest. Um, it's weird. We looked confident and um, comfortable against a side like Leeds, a very good side. Um, but then when we have a, a much worse side coming to our place, we struggled to break them down. We struggled to create opportunities and get goals but eventually we got the win and that was very much like all of our season going into the playoffs Fulham were obviously always going to attack us always going to try and score a lot of goals really get in our faces and uh, be an attacking team and we knew how to play against it um, we switched to a back five very um, conservative very uh, for want of a better word aggressive very bullish uh, trying to uh, trying to get in their faces and really try and negate what they were about. And luckily it worked an absolute charm. Got a 1-1 scrappy draw in the first game. Um, managed to nick a goal in the in the second leg. Um, and just part of the bus after that. And I'm absolutely delighted. I don't, I'm, not too, I'm not too worried about having to go out there and get two, three, four goals. As long as you can just nick a goal. And Ali Rahabsi was absolutely on fire in that second leg keeping out everything that came his way. Basically, the championship version of David De Gea, as far as I'm, con- as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then it's a shame that we kind of let ourselves down in the playoff final. Obviously, it's um, galling to go out on penalties, especially when you're winning in the penalty shootout at one stage. But we didn't give a good account of ourselves in the 90 minutes. Others still had some really good chances that they should have buried and should have won in normal time do you think if you'd um, played 
Fulham or Sheffield Wednesday in the final, um, going back to what you were saying about you being better against the better footballing team, you'd have won. Yeah, particularly if it was Sheffield Wednesday, a team that um, I think would be a lot more confident about going into a game against Little Old Reading and, and winning and finally getting back to the Premier League where they belong and all this. We would have been able to cope with the occasion a lot better and players, uh, David's third, Goliath, uh, in a sense. But Huddersfield kind of did that trick on us, almost. Um, but I think mentally they were very well prepared for it. Um, they knew how to play the occasion. And in a sense, we were almost um, the favourites to an extent, or at least there was no clear favourite. And if we had been going up against the favourite, I think we would have coped with the game a lot better. No, it's really interesting. Because there was always the sense with Ipswich when they were losing in the semis every year. We always thought, oh, if we get to the final, we'll win. But Reading, it's kind of the other way round, isn't it? You're fairly confident of getting to the final. And then then I guess, I mean, you don't know when you think, well, you lose how, how a 1995 final would really affect the heads of the players in 2017. But I, I suppose it does kind of become a, become a thing psychologically, doesn't it? Yeah, I think we have uh, the Football League record maybe joint with Sheffield United for the most playoff finals lost uh, without ever winning one. Uh, we had that 95 one, as you mentioned, uh, 2011 as well. And I don't think it has... I'm not sure if it has an effect on the players, to be honest, because as you say, the teams are very different between those games. But I wonder if one of those players just looks it up in some free time they have and looks up the, the record that uh, Reading have in playoff finals and it just gets into the camp and just starts to affect them, perhaps. Mm. And there might be some little effect. I wouldn't put too much on it, but um, but possibly, yeah. No, sure thing. So going into the new season, um, the transfer business actually looks quite good. Um, Williams out to Huddersfield is the only big one, but I was listening to your podcast in the summer and um, from what I heard, he was kind of on a on a fortune uh, in wages anyway, so he kind of had to go out. Mm. In come Bod Varson, uh, Mick McCarthy favourite Dave Edwards, uh, Mr. I Want Champions League Football, Leandro Vacuna, uh, Mo Barrow, Vito Minone and Sone Aluko. So you said um, conservative, but look at some of the personalities that came in. But in theory, you should be a stronger team than last year with that transfer business, yes? Yeah, and um, with relation to the conservative thing, I think a lot of those players were brought in to try and to try and change that. To be yeah. honest, to be more to be more adventurous. Particularly, when you look at someone like uh, Barrow, who's got electric pace, just loves running at defenders. Uh, similar thing with Sonny Aluko. Um, Bakuna will just drive forward all day long and really add a lot of energy. It's very different to the kind of players that we had last season, um, and. I think it's worth mentioning that that transfer business we had in the summer was, I believe, the biggest amount of money collectively collectively we've ever spent in any window. Um, Sonny Luco was at least four million. It's been reported as up to seven and a half, but I'm not quite sure about that. But on the whole, we certainly spent more than ten million, which is astronomical astronomical figures as far as a Reading fan is concerned. So it really shows the intent that the board had after that playoff final to try and build on it. 
but unfortunately a lot of those players took a long time to properly get settled in. No one really hit the ground running. Um, but in the last couple of weeks, we've seen uh, Barrow really come to life. He's now a top scorer with about six goals after Monday. Um, Aluko has been in and out, but he offers a threat as well, obviously. Um, Bakun has been impressive at right back. Dave Edwards is not really the, um, the rock and roll glamour signing, but he's the kind of player that really does. I'm so he's, surprised that well, you know I mean. didn't try and sign him. Yeah. He's, he's that steady Eddie. He's that championship veteran who knows what the division is about. Uh, he knows how to nick a goal, how to win a game. He, he's got that experience that you really need. And he's a big asset for anyone in this division, so I'm delighted we got him. Um, Bod Varson has uh, been in and out of the side because of injury. He hasn't started in quite a while, um, and particularly with Jan Kermigan, last season's top scorer, coming back into the side. Um, he's had fewer and fewer chances. Um, and Vito Milano has had to take over from Ali Al Habsi, who annoyingly went to Saudi Arabia to, I think, pretty much retire. Um, but it was good to get a uh, very competent, experienced goalie in Milano. Absolutely. Um, you've kind of touched on this um, already, my next question. But So we're coming up to the, the halfway point. Um, I think most teams have pretty much played everybody now. Uh, there's sort of one or two left until we get to the 23 games. Reading are in 14th place, so they're 27 points, five behind Ipswich. Um, given that you finished in the playoffs and had a kind of lesser team last season, how is? can you explain the drop-off? Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Uh, I think most. I think a lot of it has to do with getting players in and getting them settled because Yapstan plays a very unique style of football. It's very different to anyone else in the Championship. 
although you've got teams like Fulham that really like to keep the ball and uh, and get forward, kind of similar to us in terms of possession, um, the way that Yapstam organises his teams and likes them to get set up, and particularly with the fitness levels that he demands of his players, it's been very, um, it's been a big, um, it's been been a big change for a lot of these players who have come in. Um, and also, if you look at the players that have stayed on from last season, you'd imagine there's a bit of a uh, playoff hangover, as 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 has been said um, with other teams. Certainly, the last time we lost a playoff final, it was uh, a couple of months before we really hit our stride. Uh, I think we were down in the relegation places uh, just after we lost that last playoff final in 2011. Um, also, fitness has been a big problem for us. We've Sometimes had as many as 12 players out at one stage. Uh, we've lacked a striker. We were really keen on people like Nelson Oliveira from your favourite club, Norwich City. Um, <laughs> apologies, Jordan Hugill from Preston um, and Hemed from Brighton, but we weren't able to bring anyone in. Uh, so for a number of weeks, we were having to play no striker at all um, up front, and the whole side really struggled from that. Um, and also Yapstam's had to essentially rebuild his his team in terms of finding a new uh, formula. What he was really good at last season was finding a starting eleven that really clicked, that really worked, that was effective at getting three points. Um, and it's taken quite a long time to to get it sorted out this season. In a sense, injuries have helped with that because... He's not really had too many um, uh, different players that he can bring in to the side. And particularly in the last couple of games, I think it's four games in a row now where we've had an unchanged side, which is unheard of for a Yapstam team. Um, but a lot of that is because we've had players injured and there's no one else who can realistically come in. Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, so let's have a look at Saturday. Um, can you pick me a potential 11? Do you think it's going to be a fifth game unchanged? Yeah, I would have thought so. There's no um, major players due to come back from injury. So I'd go Monone in goal, Bakuna at right back, Chris Gunter left back, centre-halves McShane and Moore, uh, midfield three, likely to be Joey Vandenberg sitting in front of the back four, and then Liam Kelly providing the creativity, and Dave Edwards, um, a bit of a, an engine room player in there as well. Solly Aluko down the right on a... Um, on an attacking three, Jan Kermigant through the middle and Modu Barrow down the left. Yeah, great stuff. Um, so let's. This is going to sound incredibly boring, but let's talk about goal kicks, right? Because I was at your game on Monday, and I just find it fascinating. So um, the keeper gets the ball, and the centre halves literally split, and they're as far back as sort of two yards from the from the actual goal line. And then the fullbacks go right forward, and then one of one or two of the midfielders, Vandenberg, comes in between where the centre halves were. Now Warnock's tactic was to he literally pinned everybody in, and there were some times where the Reading fans were like, "Oh, you know, get rid of it, play it long, play it long." But the two or three times when you played through, immediately you were the other side of the press, and you kind of got a goal scoring chance. So. It looked a bit kind of 50-50 how it worked as a tactic. Um, with the goal kicks, do, do you like that tactic? Does it make you feel jittery? And how do most teams play it? And considering that McCarthy is a bit more risk-averse than Warnock, what happens 
if someone just sits off at, um, I don't know, 40 yards from the pitch? Well, it scares the living daylights out of me when I'm seeing it <laughs> in the stadium, to be honest. Um, and you're just thinking at the players, why on earth are you trying that? Why are you doing such a risky thing? Why are you doing something that seems to the fans like it doesn't have any proper kind of advantage? But then when you see the players passing it through the oncoming press, it works really well. And it can potentially take three or four attackers out of the game. It can give you a bit of an advantage and start a counter-attack for you. Um, it's worth remembering that we practice this on the training ground all the time. This is a this is a key part of Yapsam's game plan. So it's not like they're just trying to make it up on the pitch as they go along. Um, so it's, I guess, in the players' eyes, not as risky as it is from the fans' point of view. Um, yeah. What happens when a team just stands off, though? We can struggle with that, to be honest. Um, when teams have come in and come to Medeski and sat back and uh, um, told us to break them down, basically, we've often struggled to do that. Um, we are quite good with dealing with teams who, that press us, um, but teams that really sit back and um, make things compact and hard for us to break down, we can often struggle to deal with. Yeah, because I'm trying to figure out what McCarthy will do. <laughs> I'm, I'm In my head, he's going to do one of two opposite things. He's either going to say, right, every time they try it, you know, go and charge at the centre-halves who are first receiving the ball, or he's going to say, let them have it. And I haven't got a clue what he's going to do. I, I suppose some teams will pick their moments or, or whatnot. But like I say, there was just a couple of times where it is... Particularly, um, Vandenberg's quite good at playing the ball around the corner, which you have to when people are pressing on. And um, and like you say, you've then got Kelly on the ball with Edwards beside him and Aluko and Barrow ahead of him, and the entire front four players, the other team is is gone. So I'm I'm really interested to see it on Saturday, and I'm interested to see whether it's that different in away games than it is in the home games. But um, move on to Barrow because, like I say, I saw him on. Monday and his numbers are really good six goals to assist um, I couldn't help feeling though if you were a Reading fan you'd find him a little bit frustrating is he a bit of a head down give the ball away three times and then the fourth time dribble around three players and get a brilliant shot off yeah pretty much really he's all about pace he's a very direct player uh, he just really loves running at defenders uh, which is great on the counter or uh, when we've got the ball and we've got a lot of possession and trying to and are trying to change things up. Um, the frustrating thing about him is his end product, really. He's really good at running players. He'll typically get past his fullback, um, but when it comes to getting a good cross or a shot or making the right decision, he can often be quite frustrating. Um, so that's something to look out for, really. Um, but six goals so far, uh, very good, to be honest. And the goal that he scored on Monday, I believe, was his first goal outside the area. So he's very good at getting into those uh, into those positions and close in, uh, getting on the end of a cross and and sticking the ball in the net. And do he and Aluko stick to their sides or do they switch about at all? They typically stick to their sides, but they can be known to, uh, to switch over a bit. And also in terms of uh, cutting inside and going deep, they, sw- um, they change things up. Um, so they'll pop up all over. Tip- typically stay on their sides, but whether it is about staying out wide or cutting in, that's where they really like to to change things up. And the fullbacks will get forward as well and try and overlap Bakuna down the right, uh, getting past Aluko, 
uh, Chris Gunter down the left getting past Barrow. They'll both try and swing in crosses. Yeah, sure. Um, so I've only seen Reading for 90 minutes. You've seen way more of them this season. Um, what I thought, though, is you look more dangerous when Bodvarsson was on than Kermigan. Um Is Kermigan a fading, a fading force after all those goals last season? Can you either debunk that or confirm that? I think the big question with Kermigan is how he's coping with his injury because he didn't make a start this season until I think November. He was completely out of it. Um, and at his age, when he's, um, I think, in his mid-30s and he has a really big injury, um, you're asking a big question of him whether he comes back and has the same fitness and same form of last season or, or if he's not. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been having to alternate between Kermigan and Bodvarsson because neither of them are fully fit to get 90 minutes. So uh, only until very recently has Kermigan been able to play the entire game. Um, but Varsen offers something very different to Kermigan in that although they're both target men and they're both kind of big players that you'll play the ball up to and hope they can keep it, Kermigan is more about physicality and strength. He'll try and brush off a defender, whereas Bod Varsen is more mobile. He'll try and get in uh, down the channels. He'll try and run at a defender. Neither of them are particularly good at um, using their pace. Well, neither of them have any. Um, but Instead, they'll try and get the ball, keep it, and then bring in people like Barrow and Aluko who can really do the damage, cut inside or go outside. And tell me a bit about Manone, because he seems to be like a big sort of personality goalkeeper. Did a a few kind of um, punches where I'd be like, Ugh, catch it, but um, also made some good saves against Cardiff as well. Yeah, it's been an interesting start, for, start, uh, start at Reading, to be honest. Um, he's not quite as good a shot stopper as Ali Al-Habsi, um, but I think in terms of playing the ball out, he's a lot more comfortable. There were a lot of risky moments last season when um, Al-Habsi's footwork just wasn't up to scratch and he'd uh, give the ball away and um, give a goal away pretty cheaply. But Manone is a lot more comfortable with that. Um, yeah, not quite as good a shot stopper, but all round I think he's a lot better and he's gradually improving more and more. Saved a penalty up at Leeds uh, back in September, which really helped his confidence. Really big clean sheet, and that was back when uh, Leeds were, I think, up in the top four. Um, so that was a massive confidence booster for him, and he's really kicked on since then. So I've got down here your three key players for Saturday, but I'm going to try and guess them, OK? I think you're going to say McShane, then Kelly, and then either Barrow or Aluko. Who are the three key players? Go on. Uh, not McShane. He's... Uh, Quite shaky at the at the moment, to be honest. Perhaps a little bit harsh on him. Um, on Monday, he was uh, typically for McShane. He's very committed in the in the tackle. He's very good at getting blocks in and tackles. And although he's good at passing out from the back, um, he often makes um, questionable decisions uh, in terms of putting other players under pressure with a um, with a poorly judged pass or. Uh, passing back to the goalie, that kind of thing. It's Liam Moore who's really the defensive rock. Um, great tackling, great getting blocks in. Uh, he's very composed on the ball and he'll also charge up the pitch on his own uh, a few times. Um, I think he did that against Cardiff on he Monday. Did, yes. uh, in the middle, particularly away from home, I go with Joey Vandenberg who has been shaky uh, for a lot of his Reading career, uh, which is only about a year old to be fair. 
um, in terms of his passing, it can be a little bit a little bit wayward. Uh, but in the last couple of weeks, he's really shown his um, his, his physicality in front of the back for uh, protecting them, really adding a shield, um, which has really helped our defensive stability. And he's a lot more composed on the ball, so particularly away from home um, in a tough away day, I think he'll be really key. And up front has to be Modu Barrow, top scorer. Um, a lot of pace uh, to offer, and he'll use that at absolutely any opportunity. Jan Kermigan is uh, a bit of a fading force compared to last season. He got 19 goals last season, but I don't think he'll be a, a regular goal scorer this year. He might get one on Saturday, but he's not someone that I'd really pick out as an attacking threat. Sure, sure. And you pushed me on your... Um... On your blog earlier for a score prediction. So, um, what do you reckon on Saturday? It's a tough one. Um, to be honest, I'm going to go 2 2. An exact repeat of last season's uh, result at Portman Road. So, I'm going to go with that again. Well, if that means we get Tom Lawrence back, I'll take that, <laughs> I'll take that all day. Um, right, I need to apologise to our listeners because I was supposed to. We had this arranged like a couple of days ago and I was supposed to put a tweet out saying. Um, saying uh, for questions so I've only got two but I have to say I was on my deathbed last night not very well so um, right let me just click some buttons uh, Tig their fans are frequently called plastic by opponents I've never understood why any ideas and is it deserved well it's the accusation that we're not exactly um, loyal dedicated fans all the time only when, uh, only when it suits us and is that fair? Uh, to be honest, I think it probably is a little bit. Reading aren't that kind of team that has a lot of historical success in the same way that a uh, Forrester Leeds or a, um, or a Derby will. Um, we've only really had a lot of success recently, so we don't have that big, built-up, committed fan base. We've got that solid core, as every team in the Championship does, but... Um, in terms of really getting out the big numbers, it tends to only happen on uh, in in really big times, in really um, in really positive times for us. So uh, going back to the playoff uh, semi-finals, Wembley as well. Uh, so it's probably a fair accusation. <laughs> okay, uh, Brad says, why does he think they've had such a poor start to the season and how they've been able to turn it around? Saw them on Sky versus Cardiff, play the ball out from the back like Forest. Not sure they're good enough to do it. Mm. Oh, mm. um, in terms of turning things around, simply put, Yapstam's yeah, found a, an effective system in how to in how to get points again. Um, it's a solid, uh, stable, consistent team that he's had in the last uh, four or five games, and that's when our results have really started to kick on. Um, so, I hope that we're starting to replicate last season's success. Uh, in terms of uh, getting that good team out and uh, starting to add some consistency. And finally from me, um, we do this with all our uh, contributors, your favourite Reading player since you've been watching? Ooh, tough one. I, ooh, I'm going to add an Ipswich link here and I'm going to say J-Tab. J-Tab, very... unbelievable scenes. Yeah, he's the only Reading player I've ever met in person, to be honest. Um, a couple of years before he uh, moved on to Ipswich, um, he's not, he's not the most. <laughs> uh, I'm going to echo my Dave Edwards comments in here and say he's not the most 
glamorous rock and roll player. He's not the kind of person who's going to score 10 goals a season, but he's so committed. He charges around the pitch. He'll harry anyone. He's just so, he's such a dedicated player. I love that attitude in any kind of, in any footballer. Um, yeah, and that's why I love him. Uh, random side note to him, I realised that he now plays rugby union. Yeah, I saw uh, that on Twitter the other one. day, actually. Yeah, it's an odd one, yeah. And you, you wouldn't have thought it, considering how um, how small he is. Um, but yeah, good to see him doing well. Absolutely bizarre stuff. Right, thank you so much, uh, Simeon. Um, let me just do my plugs and then we'll do your bits at the end. Um, hang on, I've had the Pepsi Max, I need to... Do that off mic. There we go. Appallingly unprofessional. Um, if you've listened this far, we assume you're a subscriber to the Blue Monday podcast. Thank you very much. If you have done so on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review and a nice comment. Um, on Acast, give us a follow. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Blue Monday ITFC. And you can follow me on Twitter at Benjamin Bloom and check out uh, the YouTube stuff. Just type Benjamin Bloom into YouTube for match reviews and stuff like that if you want to support the podcast there's a link to buy our lovely range of t-shirts in the twitter bio um simeon can you give a, another quick plug um for there's already some Ipswich content up but where our guys can uh see the writing and the talking about this game at the weekend yeah so i'm editor of the tarhurst end reading blog and podcast and you can find us on uh, on the website, the Tyre West End, it's an SB Nation blog, and also on Twitter at the Tyre West End and Facebook at the same name. Right, Simeon, thank you so much. I will let you go and get ready for your yearly Star Wars <laughs> fix. Um, good luck for um, the rest of the season after Saturday, as we always say, and yeah, hopefully uh, we can get you on for the return fixture, possibly. Yep, perfect. Why not? Absolutely. All right, take care, bro. Cheers, see ya. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping. But in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurant. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.